When Glenn was in grade seven, he got in trouble at school. So he had to write an apology letter to the vice principal. Dear Mr. Rankin, I'm so sorry about what happened at recess today. It was an accident. I'm sorry Sean got hurt and that he had to go to the dentist. I know we should use our words and not get mad. But what happened is I was doing a karate move with my hand and Sean put his face where my hand was going and my hand hit his face. I didn't try to hurt his face on purpose, but he shouldn't have put his face there. That's Glenn reading an apology letter written to his vice principal. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Hello, welcome, Ottawa. It's nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at Yuck Yucks in Ottawa, we have ways to deal with a dead pet, some sexual goals from a church youth group, and letters from camp written more than 80 years ago. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help remind us who we are and where we came from. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. When Alana was in grade nine, she and her friend Krista passed notes back and forth in class. These notes were full of the things that make up teenage life. School, dating, and gossip. Lots and lots of gossip. Now, a quick heads up, Alana wrote this note when she was a teenager, and it includes some mean girl words. It also acknowledges the existence of sex and specific body parts, and it mentions two people by their full names, so we leap out the last names. Okay, live on stage in Ottawa, here's Alana. Hey, Krista. I'm really bored in English class. Bored, bored, boring. Today in health, we're having a test on penises and condoms. Okay, so I promised you a note on Lindsay and Stephen So here it is. Well, she said that they had sex for about 8 to 13 minutes. She didn't have an orgasm, though. Sorry, I don't know how to spell orgasm. He had one, though. They used a condom, and he didn't jizz. So she she said she gave him a blowjob until he did. They did it in her room around 9 o'clock with all the lights off, except for some Xmas lights that were pretty bright so they could see everything. They were also totally naked. 
I'm sure they are doing it right now. He has had sex with about 16 girls, apparently, but I hear he's pretty hot. All the girls at that school are easy and skank horse. <laughs> Lindsay is really nice, though. What's the earliest age you would do it? I still can't believe she did that. Last year, she was so innocent. Well, except for when she got arrested for possession of a knife. Are you buying a new outfit for Kelsey's bat mitzvah? What about semi-formal? Do you want to get ready to prepare for semi with me? You know how Fiona told me that she thinks Dan likes me? Well, I sort of like him. Oh my God, Krista. Nobody knows except for you and Jenny. Don't tell anybody. I don't know why I sort of like Dan, but it's not a big thing. It's just a little baby crush. I don't think he's hot at all. Ew. I'm a lesbian, too, by the way. I was talking to Tom, and he said that not all the guys think that you are a snob. Just some of them do. I'm not sure who does, though, but when I find out, I'll tell you. Sorry this letter is so weird, but I'm really hyper. Oh yeah, I'll teach you how to fold letters one day. Love always, Alana. When Terry was 13, he was part of a church youth group. And as one of the youth group activities, Terry made a goal-setting chart. This is where he wrote down some of his life goals and then explained how he was going to achieve them. Spiritual goal. Pray every day. Steps to achieve it. Make a time. Do it. (laughs) Evidence I will notice. I will be praying every day. (laughs) Social goal, ask someone out. (laughs) Steps to achieve it, get their attention, just say it. (laughs) Evidence I will notice, I will be going out with someone. (laughs) This is is from a church youth group. Sexual goal. (laughs) Don't have sex. Steps to achieve it. Don't go too far. (laughs) Evidence I will notice. I won't have sex. (laughs) That's it. A big part of growing up is learning rules. What you can and can't do, what you should and shouldn't do. And sometimes the rules are obvious, they're easy to understand. But other times, rules can be hard to wrap your head around. When Justin was in grade two or three, he learned the rules of soccer baseball. And he wrote them down in a way that made sense to him. These are the rules of soccer baseball. We, we wear shorts and a short-sleeved shirt and shoes with a hard sole and an ankle support. 
Do not cry because your team is losing. And do not fight when you are playing a game. And do not quit. And play the game and have fun and you should do your best. And do not run away from your team. And don't be happy because your team is winning. And ask the teacher if you have to go to the washroom. And go when the teacher tells you to. And go when the teacher tells you to go back to the classroom. And if you're a pitcher, you should do your best. And if you are at any base, you should play your best. And if you are a pitcher, you should try your best to roll the ball your best. But if the ball goes in the outfield, and if you are at outfield, you should run your fastest and get the ball and throw the ball back to the game as fast as you could. And then somebody else will get the ball and try to get somebody out. A home run is when somebody runs all the bases in one time, and one run is when somebody run all the bases with stopping. And a out is when somebody touches the ball on somebody. And a strike is a foul. And a strike is when somebody tries to kick the ball and the person misses. And it is when you kick the ball and it goes to the side. And a out is when a person throws a ball to the base before the person gets there. And if you are on any base, a person will throw the ball to you and you should try to get somebody out. And you should try your best. <laughs> and get in your two proper lines. We have three different lines. And one of them is when we line up for kicking the ball and it goes like this. Girl, boy, girl, boy. <laughs> or boy, girl. And another line is the first communion lines. And we go from littlest to biggest. And there are two different lines for girls and boy. Thank you. When Amanda was 16, she shared a journal with a friend. It was a way for the two of them to write notes back and forth to each other while documenting their lives at the same time. And what I love about Amanda's entries here is that they're not quite diary entries and they're not quite letters. They're somewhere in between, a mix of the confessional and the conversational. Now, a quick heads up, Amanda's journal does contain some cuss words, which we do not bleep. That's your heads up. Live on stage in Ottawa, here's Amanda. So this is the beautiful journal my friend and I passed back and forth. I'll obviously just be reading what I wrote. That would be so mean. <laughs> so far this year has been the shittiest school year ever. We may have to give my dog away. My mom is controlling me. I didn't get the new room I wanted in the basement. I fell on my face at lunch today. Plus about 50 other incidents I can't remember. The one and only good thing that has happened is Adam. 
And if I keep getting in shit with my mom, I'll probably never get to see him, which means he'll notice some other chick, and then life couldn't possibly get any worse. Next one. I can't stop thinking about Adam. What should we do together this weekend? Do you think he'll get freaked out if I invite him over? I'd kind of like for us to stay together for a while. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were together for New Year's? It was November. Oh my God, we haven't even kissed yet, and look, I'm already thinking months down the road. I'm gonna be in shit. I can't find that French book. Oh well, I have Adam. <laughs> oh my God, I just called Adam and his mom answered and he wasn't home. So she asked if I wanted to leave a message and I said, it's fine. And then there was a really awkward pause and then she said, okay then, bye. And I said, thanks, bye. Do you think I should have asked her to tell Adam that I called instead of saying it's fine? What if she hates me? Help me. <laughs> oh my God, Adam left not too long ago. Ah, where do I start? Okay, I'll just go straight to what's important. He kissed me. Eee! <laughs> Actually, he Frenched me. <laughs> I was totally shocked. It was such a totally perfect first kiss. It wasn't very long, a few seconds. After I got over my shock, I returned the kiss. Oh my God, semi-formal is tomorrow. I'm so excited and nervous and anxious and happy and impatient. I'm really stressed out about you guys meeting Adam. I'm pretty sure you'll like him, but what if he has a really nasty suit or a huge zit on his nose or ugly shoes, know what I mean? <laughs> this book is going to be great reading material for our children, if we have kids. You know what I really want to do with Adam tonight? Cuddle. <laughs> well, I broke up with Adam yesterday. <laughs> Those journal entries were written 15 years ago. And yes, Amanda and Adam broke up when they were teenagers. But fast forward to today, and they are married. Well, now we've been together almost 12 years, married for four, and we have an 18-month-old daughter. Um, so when I look back at the journal, it seems like I'm not even the same person, and I'm not even talking about the same Adam that I know today. It's We're so removed from it now. Um, but I think the biggest difference is we know how to communicate. I certainly don't turn to friends to try and decipher his behavior like I did when I was a teenager. Um, I can just talk to him like a normal person. You know, today he's my best friend. If I were going to keep a journal with someone, uh, it would be him. It wouldn't be about him. I'd be keeping the journal with Adam. In the journal, when I'm talking about how it'll be good reading for our kids, I know I meant my kids and any kids my friend had. When I read it today, I can't help but think that it means any kids Adam and I have. Because... Um, we have our daughter now, and all I can think about is how fun it'll be for her and any other kids we have to read this. And, you know, it's a glimpse at what it was like when we, you know, their parents, Adam and I, were first dating and first meeting each other. And also, it's this weird glimpse into what their mom was like at 16, which is incredibly embarrassing for me, but I know they'll get a real kick out of it. When Sean was in grade eight, his English teacher gave the class an assignment. Write a mystery story. So Sean wrote 
The Mystery of the Collapsing Plane. And when he signed up to read this at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, here's how Sean described it. It's a short story I wrote in middle school about a man who goes to the toilet in an airplane only to have the plane fall to pieces around him and he plummets to earth on the john. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids stage some repeat business from Sean. So it's called The Mystery of the Collapsing Plane. And uh, in grade eight, I thought Bob was the funniest, most hilarious name out there. So, The executive class washroom. That's what the ad said. The image of the sedate executive refreshing himself in a luxurious marble washroom is a myth. Reality is erasing a five o'clock shadow at 30,000 feet en route to a meeting across the country. But at American Airlines, that myth is brought truth. And here I, Bob Burriger, was squeezed into a standing room only, used toilet paper strewn box on an airplane on my way to Kansas City with an unexpected meeting looming up in three short hours. The next thing I know, I'm being thrown off balance into the toilet. A lovely scenic view of human waste accumulated over the past week. Another jolt from the plane. I'm now sitting in the sink. And then the whole world turns into a mass of vibrations and, and a rage like thunder all around my shuddering body. Then all is still. I get up from my particular position, which I would rather not describe, and straighten my tie. Darn bucket of bolts. As the door opens, the sound of hundreds of waterfalls, rock slides, and roaring Mack trucks fills my eardrums, drowning them in noise, solid noise. My finely groomed hair is blown up flat against my head, and everything around me seems to suddenly explode as the tearing wind whips into the washroom. <laughs> as I regain control, I squint outside. I wish I never did. <laughs> the ground was at 20,000 feet and closing. I don't know what happened to the plane. <laughs> Maybe the pieces of engine, metal, plastic, and unidentified debris that's falling at the same speed as me and my toilet have something to do with it. There are about 10 people out there falling, waving, and kicking frantically. There's the old lady still asleep in her chair. The stupid pilot still got the steering wheel in her hand and is talking into her radio. Oh, uh, no, no, I said turn the plane 30 degrees left, not right. Hello, mommy, mommy, they cut us off. I heard the pilot saying as she swooped nearby. Then I saw a woman. Then I saw her shirt blow up. No, I'm a happily married man, so I reluctantly... I reluctantly but devotedly looked away. I was, I was going to be an honest husband until the last minute. I managed to shut the door and sit down on the toilet, shutting out the din outside. Off the, roll, off the wall came a roll of toilet paper. And out came my cheap Bic pen. It was my father's. <laughs> he gave it to me when I was six years old. 
The stupid thing has great sentimental value. Sniff. I started scribbling on the toilet paper. Dear Marge, I love you. I'm in the washroom that used to be part of a plane but isn't anymore. I'm sitting on a toilet. I always told you that I'd die on the toilet. Well, goodbye. I got to go. The paper is getting soggy with my tears. P.S. Remember to let out the dog. P.P.S. Remember Jimmy's appointment. P.P.P.S. Donate my carton of bunion pads to charity. I stuck the letter in a nearby bottle, closed my tear-filled eyes, and without a second thought, threw it out the door. I sat back down on the smelly toilet. All of a sudden, I realized I had to go. <laughs> you all know the feeling. You walk within 10 feet of the washroom, and you got to go in. I was just ready to settle in on the toilet seat when I heard a whistling sound, much like a bomb falling. The tone got deeper and deeper until... Oh. The end. Kids often have special relationships with animals, and at our live shows, we hear a lot of stories about family pets. Our next reader, Karen, she read a diary entry from 1989 when she had two pet finches named Camille and Jerry. Camille died today. (laughs) She looked a bit strange last night, but I really didn't think twice about it. She always looked a bit sick. This morning, I took the cover off the cage and she was dead. (laughs) Jerry was frantic. I took her out of the cage and I put her in an ashtray and put a Kleenex over it. (laughs) I didn't want to throw her out or flush her. What am I supposed to do? Jerry is now extremely quiet. Too quiet. He usually kicks up quite a fuss when I'm in my bedroom for a while. I think he really misses her. I have a feeling he won't last much longer. Finches are like lovebirds. They aren't solitary. I miss her too, Jerry. R.I.P. Camille, November 12, 1987 to February 18, 1989. The next day. I have no idea what to do with Camille, so I flushed her down the toilet again. (laughs) It was a graceless way to go. Karen, ladies and gentlemen. One of my all-time favorite genres of kid writing is letters from camp. And at our Ottawa show, we got a special treat. Our next reader, Dirk brought along letters from camp written more than 80 years ago. These were written when he was seven or eight in the year 1932 or maybe 33. Now, a quick note, in these letters, Dirk does not call his parents mom and dad. Instead, he calls them by their first names, Hugh 
and Martha. Please welcome to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Dirk. Uh, I was born in New York City, and by the time I was six or seven, we were living in a suburb, having had a big change in our lifestyle owing to the Great Depression, which was going on at that time. These letters, it's very surprising that these letters have survived. Someone found them in a drawer of my mother's after she died. The first letter is <clears throat> Dear Hugh, and Hugh is misspelled H-E-U-H. There are baby chicks, dogs, and cats, period. The, dog, <laughs> the dogs were bo bo born Sunday morning. The cats are older. Martha and maybe Tony will write you a letter tomorrow. Love from me. <laughs> P.S. Francie, that's a cousin, Francie sends her spanks. Tony sends his mommies. Martha sends her scolds. The kittens send their meows. <laughs> the pups send their woofs. <laughs> Chicks send their peeps. <laughs> then another letter we found in my mother's dresser was to my younger brother, who's, who was uh, four, four years younger than I am. And and not yet enlisted at Harvard. Dear, dear Tony, send me my other leather belt because <laughs> the one I had fell into the lake. <laughs> I am planning to bring three or four black and white rats home. That, that was probably a pretty rough news for, for my father and mother. And I did do it. Um, uh, in fact, I sold rats to the neighbors for, as I recall, eight cents a peach. Or two for, two for 15. Here are four jokes. Three of them dirty. Now, dirty for an eight-year-old is not the same as for an 18-year-old, as you will see. These are title, book titles. The Yellow Stream by I.P. Daly. The Odorous Bathroom by A Toilet Odor. <laughs> the Unpleasant Smell by Lotta Fart. <laughs> uh, uh, 
and there are instructions underneath the ladder saying, say rapidly. <laughs> Old Miser by Seymour Cash. That must be, that must be the one of the four that's not dirty. Yeah, that's it. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Our show was recorded live at Yuck Yucks in Ottawa and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. We have upcoming live shows in Toronto, Halifax, Montreal, Regina, and Saskatoon with many more on the way. Toronto, Montreal, and Halifax have completely filled up, but... We plan to add matinees for all three shows very soon. So if you want a heads up, the best thing to do is join our email newsletter. That's the first place we announce new live shows. And you can sign up at grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com or even easier, use the link in the show notes to this episode. We also have photos of all the readers from today's show. Those are up on Facebook. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like this podcast, help spread the word. Recommend it to a friend. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>